right, get your Bibles out and uh, let's open up to the book of John, John's Gospel, John chapter 4, and we are in our series uh, called Outsiders, and so uh, John chapter 4, we're going to look at a thirsty person uh, today that desperately needed a touch from God. John chapter 4, beginning at uh, verse 1. So this is the word of God. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Uh, Jesus is, uh, has been in Jerusalem there for the Passover, and uh, so he is now ready to head back home, back north. He's from the Galilee, which is the northern part of Israel. And so he's about to head north. And so he decides to go through this place called Samaria. Now, Samaritans, the people that lived there, and the Jews were, were fierce enemies at the time. And many of you, if you've been in church at all, you've always heard about how Jews hated Samaritans. You say, well, why is that? Well, because if you rewind the tape back to 722 BC, okay, this is a long way back before the life of Christ, when, uh, when uh, the northern part of Israel began to rebel against God, that God allowed the Assyrians, this mega superpower, very evil pe group of people, to come down and to haul off uh, these Jews that were from the northern part of Israel, haul them off into exile. And when they removed a lot of these people, they also backfilled other peoples from other nations that they had conquered to fill that space and to conquer that space. And so that area became the area of Samaria. And so the remaining Jews that were there intermarried with these other peoples from other nationalities and other people groups. And so they began to form this kind of uh, other group of people, which was called Samaritans. Uh, along with these other people came other types of religions and other uh, idolatry and other religious practices. And so the Samaritans, from the Jewish perspective were a bunch of people that were, they'd intermarried with other religions. They, they were no longer truly Jewish. Uh, they, they, were, they were worshiping other false gods. They were disobeying God. They were rejecting God's people, rejecting God's word, rejecting the prophets. And, and so they were just really wicked and wayward people from the Jewish perspective. And so you would never, ever find a good Jew ever going to Samaria. I mean, they would literally take a couple of extra days journey to go around Samaria. They would never, ever go through Samaria. And yet when you see Jesus here in this story, what Jesus is doing is he's actually going through Samaria. In fact, look at verse four. It says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Why? Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Why didn't he just go around like he always used to go around, like everyone else did? Well, it's because Jesus had an appointment. He had an appointment with a woman there that desperately needed God. Listen, this is just, this is what God is like. 
that God doesn't go around those who need him. That God doesn't look over or pass over those that are hurting and struggling. That he goes right to them and there's something in the heart of God that moves toward the outsider. There's something in the heart of God that moves toward the person that would be least likely to ever want to be with him. God moves toward the broken. He moves toward the wayward. He moves toward the mess ups and, 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 and the screw ups. God moves toward that kind of person. And you see right here, Jesus moving right to the heart of Samaria, to the outcast, uh, to meet a woman that desperately needed him. All right, so let's look at, look at what happens. Look at verse seven. And it says, a woman from Samaria uh, came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is this that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. I want you to write this down. Write this first thought down. We are all born with thirsty souls. We are all born with thirsty souls. This woman uh, came to the well to draw water. And uh, Jesus asked her for a drink. And he said, uh, he said hey, I'm, I'm kind of thirsty. Would you give me a drink? And she's like freaked out by this. So she's like shocked. They're like, why are you talking to me? All right. If she, in fact, she says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are we even having a conversation? You see, Jesus was having to overcome a lot of hurdles to have a conversation with her. He had to overcome a lot of hurdles. For, for one, he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. That's a huge hurdle. Uh, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. In fact, there was some tradition, it's not in the Bible, but some Jewish tradition that said if you were to drink out of a vessel of a Samaritan, you would be ceremonially unclean, right? I mean, there was a lot of animosity. Jews don't talk uh, to Samaritans. Then there was religious and irreligious. Jesus was very religious. She could tell just by looking at him, the way he was dressed, his reputation. And yet here she was, this irreligious woman. Then there was a barrier between men and women that uh, men just don't talk to women, especially women they don't know, and especially in public places. That just didn't happen. And then you, had, uh, you just had so many uh, disparities between you. He was moral. She was immoral. There were so many reasons why they just don't talk. They don't. I go on this side of the road. You go on that side of the road. Uh, we never make eye contact. We never have conversation. There was all, all, so many reasons, yet Jesus was breaking through every single barrier to have a conversation with her. And Jesus knew that she needed something. In verse 10, he said, he said, listen, if you knew the gift of God and if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You see, Jesus knew 
what we all instinctively know. And that is that we are born with thirsty souls. We're born with thirsty souls. There's something inside of us that wants more. Something inside of us that wants more happiness. We want more satisfaction. We want uh, more love. We want more acceptance. We want more approval. There's something inside of us that wants, wants, wants more of, of what life has to offer and what, even what we get doesn't seem to really ever satisfy us. In fact, our culture is crying out, we need more. Whether it's, a, whether it's a Sprite drink that says obey your thirst and yet you drink one and you got to have another one, you got to have another one, you got to have another one. Whether it's, a, whether it's a, a commercials that constantly trying to convince you that, hey, you need this new car and then you need this outfit and then you need this, you need that. And we're constantly trying to feed our insatiable appetite for more things. Whether it's uh, uh, seeing people that seem to have everything and yet live self-destructive lives. And many times we see those uh, paraded in the movies as if that's some kind of glorious thing. Like the most recent uh, film, A Star is Born, that just seemed to glorify this insatiable need for more. And yet living a self-destructive life or you see it played out in the news every single day with it's it's a movie star one day it's an athlete the next day it's a politician the next day that seem to have it all and yet nothing seems to satisfy them why is that it's because we are born with thirsty souls souls that are longing for more there's an emptiness there's a hunger there's a thirst in us that can never fully be satisfied. And Jesus said, listen, I I know that you're thirsty. And if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew me, I could give you something for that. I could, I've got what you need. You say, well, how did Jesus know that she was thirsty? I mean, how, uh, what was it about her that clued him in well obviously he was Jesus was God in the flesh right but besides that I think there was some pretty good hints this woman was coming to draw water but she was coming in the heat of the day it says at the sixth hour that's at noontime this woman came in the heat of the day alone now most women when they would come to draw water they would come and draw water in the morning they would come when it's cool, right? And all the women would come together and they would draw water and they would hang out at the, at the well, kind of like, uh, like Starbucks, right? So it was kind of like the first ever Starbucks right there. And so they would hang out and they would draw water and they would talk and they would catch up and they would, you know, they would, they would enjoy each other and that's kind of how they caught up on the business of the day and that's when they did all that. And, and, and yet this woman isn't invited to that. She's coming alone. She's coming in the middle of the day. She was obviously an outsider. She was an outsider of all the outsiders, right? And she was pushed out. She, she knew very well that she was on the outs with everybody else. It's kind of like when you go on Facebook and you say, oh, well, I didn't realize all my friends were at that party and I obviously didn't get invited to that party, so I guess I'm on the outs. She was like, okay, I know. I know how this works. I'm not accepted really by anybody. She was on the outsider. She was on the outs. And, God, and Jesus knew that she was looking for something, that she was thirsty. Listen, maybe, maybe you feel like you're thirsty. You may be here today, and, you, and the truth of the matter is you're just not happy. You're not happy in just about any area of your life. 
Nothing seems to satisfy you on the inside. You're constantly looking for more, constantly looking for something else, constantly never satisfied with what you have, always looking for somewhere else. The grass is always greener somewhere else. You're not satisfied at home. You're not satisfied with your job. You're not satisfied with what you have. You're not satisfied with where you live. You're, you're just constantly, and you're, maybe sometimes you're thinking to yourself, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be happy with what I have? And yet there's this longing, this needing, this searching for something else. And, and as soon as you get an accomplishment or as soon as you accomplish this other thing, then, then you're never really quite satisfied maybe you feel rejected maybe you feel on the outs maybe you feel like nobody really understands you listen if that's the case the problem is not everything on the outside that can't satisfy the problem is you have a thirsty soul every one of us are born with a thirsty soul Here's something else we learned from this passage, and I want you to jot this one down, is that, every, uh, that temporary things can't satisfy your soul. Uh, although we're born with a thirsty soul, listen, the things of this world, temporary things cannot satisfy your thirsty soul. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go to your husband and, and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, you might stop right there and say, what, what is Jesus doing? What's this whole business about go get your husband? And what is, what is Jesus doing? What, what he's doing is he's exposing the wells that she's been going to to try to find satisfaction. And for this particular woman, what she had longed for and where she had sought for satisfaction was in a relationship. You see, for in the ancient time, a woman was to be under her father's care. And then eventually he would marry her off to a man who would then take care of her the rest of her life. Provision and protection came from either her father or her husband. The only time that a woman would be without a, a, a husband would be if, if he, she was a widow, right? And then if she was a widow, then the family would come along and they would provide and take care of her. But this idea of going from husband to husband to husband to husband was, was uh, completely unacceptable in that time. This is why she was on the outs. This is why she was by herself. This is why she's drawing at the well in the middle of the day. She had constantly gone to this well, and every man had disappointed her. Her father is not in the picture. Either he's a deadbeat or he's dead, all right? And then the man that she thought would love her did not love her anymore, and the next one didn't love her, 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 and then the guy that she's with now, he doesn't love her even enough to marry her. He doesn't, she is clearly unloved and unwanted, and she knows it, and she's broken, you know, I, I have a different view of this woman. You know, some guys, you know, I know as they preach this passage, you know, they'll say, well, you know, she was, she was really super uh, loose lady, you know, kind of a woman of the night. I don't, I don't see her that way. I see her as broken because all these men that she had hoped would take care of her had disappointed her and used her and abused her. She was a broken person. And every time she went back to that well, she met disappointment. Listen, every time you go to a temporary thing 
to meet a spiritual problem, you're going to be disappointed. You understand that? Some of you have been to the well of education. And man, you've got degrees on the wall. And yet that last degree didn't quite satisfy you. So you're thinking about going and getting another one. I knew one guy, he said he had like five doctorates. I'm like, heaven's sakes, man. <laughs> Don't you have anything else to do with your time, right? But he's, he's going to that well. Some of you go into the well of achievement. Man, if I could just accomplish this goal, if I could just get to that place in my company, or if I could sell that one and get another one, if I could just make a little bit more, if I could get written up in this professional journal, or if I could be acknowledged with this award, or if my peers would, would nominate me for this, then and you're going back to the well over and over again. Some of you go into the well of relationships. Man, if I just had a better boyfriend, if I just had a, a better girlfriend, if I just had a better husband or a better wife, if I just had this, that, you're just going to the well over and over and over but every trip to the well it may satisfy momentarily it may satisfy in for a few minutes or maybe for a few days or weeks but eventually it leads you back to hungering every next purchase every next trip every next uh, sexual encounter just leads you in the moment of satisfaction but then afterwards this deep sense of emptiness that that thing cannot ultimately satisfy me and I'm wandering again, looking again, searching again, going back to the well again and again and again. And here's why. Let me tell you why temporary things cannot satisfy you. Because temporary things can only satisfy you temporarily. They are temporary. Temporary things only satisfy you temporarily. And yet your soul longs for something that will last right? A love that will last, not just come and go, but one that will stand the test of time. A peace that will last, even though I go through hard times. Joy that will last and happiness that will last no matter what happens in my life. We are, our soul longs for something that is eternal. Our soul longs for something that will last. And, and, and temporary things can only satisfy temporarily. Only God can give you that which will last. Only he can give you that. And that's why Jesus said, listen, if you knew me and if you knew what I could give you, I could give you what will last. Jeremiah uh, chapter 2 says this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And he, he said, it's so sad. He said, my people, here I am. I'm the spring of water. I, I'm going to give you what will last and truly satisfy your soul. And yet they have rejected me, and they're, and they're digging out cisterns. You know what a cistern is? A cistern was a hole in the ground that they would use to plaster it with mud in order to catch the runoff of rain all right it was muddy muddy still nasty water all right that's what's in a cistern and he said here I am I'm the spring of living water and you've got your face in the mud this woman had been drinking with her face in the mud her whole life looking searching thirsty and some of you you're drinking mud in that relationship, and you know it. You're drinking mud in that, that alcohol addiction and that, that thing. that Your pornography addiction is face in the mud, and you know it. Because you keep going back, and you keep going back. When Jesus said, I want to give you something that will last. Listen, all of us are born with thirsty souls. 
But temporary things cannot satisfy what your soul longs for. It cannot satisfy it. You say, well, yeah, Craig, well, probably what you're going to tell me is I need to just do more churchy things. I know that's where this is headed, right? This is where it's headed. You're going to tell me to just be more churchy, to you know, read my Bible more and pray more. And, and if you're get, if I'd come to church more often, and then I, I would be saying, isn't that what you're going to tell me? Well, actually, no. It's not what I'm going to tell you. Let's look at what Jesus said, all right? Uh, look at verse 19. And the woman said to, her, said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem uh, is a place that we people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You're, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, were worship, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman, woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I mean, Jesus is talking to her, right, about the well that she's been going to. And he says, listen, go get your husband. She goes, well, I really don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, I know. You've had five. The guy you're, you're living with now isn't your husband. And she's kind of taken back by that. And, uh, and she looks at him and she goes, well, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> That's a pretty obvious statement, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I just got up in your chili. I know exactly what's going on. Oh, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she immediately goes to change the subject. Well, you know, I've always been wanting to ask a guy a question about this big theological debate, right? Samaritans say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. You say you're supposed to worship here. And I know we, we don't cry to have it. You know, she's totally sidetracking the conversation, right? Let's talk about something else other than my problem. Let's talk about something else other than my past. But Jesus just never gets off track, man. He is on, he is on this situation and he keeps pressing in. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a conversation about that. But listen, let me tell you something. There's a time coming when God is not gonna care uh, about the location of your worship. He's just gonna care that you love him. In fact, he's seeking out people that will love him and worship him in spirit and truth. And she says, yeah, okay, I know, but man, when the Messiah comes, he's going to make all this right. And Jesus looked at her and said, listen, I'm him. You're looking at him. I am the Messiah. This is one of the, the most uh, clearest and obvious uh, times that Jesus pointed to himself as the Christ to this woman. What was he saying? This is what Jesus was saying. He's like, listen. This living water that I want to give you doesn't come from religious performance. I mean, yeah, it, you know, we talk about, do we worship this way? Do we worship that way? Do we have this tradition and that tradition? Do we, you know, there are all kinds of controversies, right, about uh, uh, all different kinds of how we should worship and how you should do church and how you should do all these things. And, and Jesus said, listen, this living water that I'm going to give you has nothing to do with that. In fact, there's a time coming and none of that's really going to matter. What God is looking for are those that will really press into him. And he said, that's what I want to give you. That my, this living water that I want to give you doesn't come in performance, religious performance is trying uh, all that it's going to come from a person it's going to come from knowing me 
You see, when people talk about change, uh, how to change your life, change the direction, there's three different views. There is the view of the culture. And the culture says the way you change is by discipline, right? You're just going to try harder. You're going to be better. You're going to set some goals, get some accountability. You're going to keep pressing on and discipline, discipline, discipline. That's how you change, right? That's what your uh, workout guy tells you, right? Stop eating those carbs and get to the gym and be disciplined, right? That's how you change. But then the church or religion will say this, this is the way you change, that you do more religious things. You go, you go to church, you give, you serve, you read your Bible, you do all these things, you pray, and, and all these things will help you change. But Jesus doesn't follow the counsel of the culture, and he doesn't follow the counsel of religion. Jesus says, no, here's, here's how you change. You just come to me the way you are. Just come to me the way you are. As as messed up and as broken and as disappointed and as hurt and as confused as you are, you, t- you just come to me. Jesus did not tell her, hey, you know what? You need to get your act together and then come talk to me. What Jesus said is, you come to me and I'll get your act together. I'll change you. And if you're here today and you're like, Craig, man, I'm just so unhappy in so many areas of my life. And I'm, I'm so distraught because this relationship is not working out. Or I'm so distraught because my career isn't working. I'm so distraught because I, I'm never going to reach this thing that I want to do. Then you are going to the wrong well. And you will always be disappointed. You will always be searching. You will always keep going back and it will always be the same. You are, you are drinking with your face in the mud. When Jesus said, come to me, I'm the place, I'm the person that can change your heart. And this woman finally got it. I mean, it's like in that moment when he said, I am he, she realized she was having an encounter with the Messiah, with the Christ. And she was changed. I mean, you read the rest of the story, man, she's like running back to her village. You go, man, you got to come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. I mean, you got to come and see. And, and so they start to come and these women that have been pushing her out and pushing her away, they see something new in her. They see something electric in her and they start to come and they hear Jesus. And it says a whole, the whole village began to turn to Christ, not because of what she said, because now we know that you truly are who you claim to be. That's what God wants to do in your life. You see, we are born with thirsty souls and temporary things cannot satisfy us. But here's the main thought. Here's the main thing I want you to take away from this talk. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And that longing for more is a longing for God That longing for achievement is a longing for God. That longing for acceptance is a longing for God. That longing for hope is a longing for God. That longing for peace is a longing for God. That's what your soul longs for. And your soul is only satisfied in Jesus. Let me ask you something. Has there been a moment in time when you've given your life to Christ? You say, well, Craig, how do, I, how do I get this living water? 
I want to go back to verse 10. Verse 10, if it's not underlined in your Bible, you need to underline it, okay? Because verse 10 is really the main verse. Let me remind you what it says. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who it, who it was saying to you, give me a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what Jesus said is this. First, you need to know the gift that what you're longing for is only something that God can give. Your temporary things cannot satisfy you. It can only satisfy you temporarily. And so the first way that you receive living water, the first step you've got to take is to acknowledge, or maybe put it this way, to admit, hey, I've been searching for satisfaction in so many wrong places. It's kind of like the old country song years ago that says, looking for love in all the wrong places. I've been living my whole life looking for meaning in all the wrong places, looking for satisfaction. That I realize now this is a spiritual, this is my soul yearning. My soul is thirsty. And I realize that I cannot find it in the things that I've gone to. Second thing you need to know, he said you need to know the gift. And then he said you need to know the giver. If you knew me, who you're talking to. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus is the giver. Jesus is the one that satisfies your soul. He is the one that changes your life. Just like Pastor David was talking about this woman that she's so wound up in drugs and alcohol and, and so entwined with that. And only Jesus can break her free. And only Jesus is going to be able to satisfy your soul and therefore allow you to have healthy relationships and allow you to be healthy and, and, and to be used by God. Only Jesus can do that. That's why he came. See, Christ came for your sin. He came to satisfy your starving, thirsty soul. That in our waywardness, we rebelled against God. In our waywardness, we were pursuing so many other things. And Christ came to pursue us. And at Calvary, all of our sin was placed on the back of innocent Jesus. And Jesus died in your place for the things that you've done and for the things I've done. This is the gospel. This is the freedom of the gospel. The goodness of the God. The good news of the gospel is that you don't have to be the way you've always been. That Jesus came to change you fundamentally from the inside out that Jesus came he died in your place he was buried he rose again the third day and now he offers this free gift to anyone even wayward broken people like you and like me he said if you know that the gift can't be gotten by all the things you've done and if you know Jesus the giver he said then all you got to do is ask and he would give it to you all you got to do is ask. Have you ever asked Christ to forgive you, to come into your life? 